0: We are here with another episode of QI Radio. We're so pleased uh, to be back with you. Our regulars are, of course, Stephanie Screamish-Crane, Jessica Suka, and myself, Susie. And today we are, uh, we have, we're lucky to have the KIND Clinic with us. Uh, Michelle Wailapalio is here. Um, Dr. Dan Nguyen is here. And Andres Cordero is here. And uh, they're all from the KIND Clinic. Um, Andres uh, Andres is a, uh, uh, he has a BA in communications from Trinity University and a PhD in human sexuality and sexuality policy leadership from California Institute of Integral Studies. Um, and he is now the lead patient advocate at the New Kind Clinic in San Antonio. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. And Dr. Nguyen Dr. Uh, has received his m- medical doctorate degree from the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. Um, and now he has dedicated a lot of time <laughs> with the, kind, the Texas Health Initiative and the Kind Clinic family. Um, and he's a provider. He's an actual, you, you're you're one of the people we'd see if we went in. Yeah. And of course, our dear friend of the show, Michelle Leo, uh, is a very proud Air Force veteran. She has a, a bachelor's from the University of Texas, Austin, and she uh, currently serves as a Texas County, I'm sorry, Travis County. Texas is not a county. Travis County Probate Court Business Analyst. And she is one of the... Um, most incredible activists I've ever worked with, personally. I, I and I'm so glad that she's with Texas Health Act, uh, Action, and she's working for Kind Clinic. I just I, that makes me so happy that you're you're doing that. I, I, it's fantastic. Um, so the Kind Clinic, uh, um, just to give a little bit of a background, is uh, it started in 2015. Um, the Texas Health Action uh, has worked to promote and provide sexual wellness um, that w- that's free of stigma and judgment and has empowered the entire community through outreach and education, medical care, and highly effective health programs and research. And with that, I would very much like to say thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: All right, let's get going. Um, so, can you guys tell us a little bit about the KIND Clinic, its inception, how, why it started? It, Where did it come from? Who, who it, it, it just showed up in 2015. What, yeah, what happened? On? What was the impetus there?
2: I can start there. Yes. Uh, so it started a few years back. Um, it was called the Austin Prep Access Project. So there were a group of individuals um, in the Austin area that uh, were noticing that there weren't any um, facilities that are available to provide easy access to PrEP. So a group of individuals got together. Uh, they connected with um, a, a local provider, Dr. Cynthia Brinson, and uh, established a board essentially. And so they started uh, essentially offering PrEP access to uh, primarily uh, gay men in the San Antonio, I'm sorry, in the Austin area for, uh, it was a volunteer driven situation. So providers, um, everyone that was supporting the process essentially was volunteering their time and effort to do that and it just exploded. And so uh, from there, eventually uh, the Texas Health Action uh actually formulated, and then from that point forward, uh, they uh, created the KIND Clinic as a, uh, an initiative or a program of Texas Health Action.
3: That's so cool. So, uh, <laughs> you, I, 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 I mean, I heard in the intro, and I've heard otherwise that you all, you know, you have the San Antonio location. I also heard you're opening at Austin South location. Is that true? And when are you coming to San Marcos? Because we need some KIND Clinic in San Marcos.
0: I'd like to hear a little bit about the San Antonio one first. If you don't mind, okay, I'm loading that's, it all up. Let's, let's, let's hear about the new stuff and then move into the maybe later stuff. Sorry, I really want to hear I, I about excited. San Antonio. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> so what's going on with San Antonio?
2: So um, in San Antonio, um, we actually had a presence here uh, for a couple of years, and we're providing prep access only uh, with another program called uh, Project Hot. So we were... Uh, basically in the same facility. They were providing sexual health services, we were providing PrEP. Um, But then uh, eventually we decided we were going to establish a full service clinic. And so uh, the board made the determination that they really wanted to invest further in San Antonio because we already been here for quite a while. So um, lots of money was poured into uh, creating a brand new facility and it's actually the largest clinic right now, um, although the South Austin clinic's gonna be, I believe, larger than wow. in, in, in San Antonio. Um, and we provide all sorts of services, um, gender-affirming care, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis, uh, post-exposure prophylaxis, STI testing and treatment, and then we also provide HIV care for people living with HIV. So, um, the 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 snag that occurred, if you will, is that uh, we we essentially opened up the clinic in March, and then about a week after that, COVID essentially became a huge issue, so um, we weren't able to really open up fully. <laughs> for uh, the oh wow so wow, we've okay. been doing telemedicine, um, but uh, it's a great facility, and we hope to show it off at some point in the future. Um, Dr. Dan actually came down and worked uh, at the clinic uh, in San Antonio for a bit. He might have a little additional information to share there. That'd be great. That'd be great. For sure. All right, it
0: sounds like it's handed off to you, Dr. Wen.
4: <laughs> sure, for sure. You know, um, I've been with uh, Texas Health Action, uh, the Austin Prep Access uh, Project, um, and then the KIND Clinic uh, since 2016. And so I started off as a volunteer clinician, Um, during my residency here in Austin, and so I would volunteer my time uh, Wednesday evenings and Tuesday evenings um, and Saturday mornings, um, seeing patients for prep and for STI services. And originally, you know, we were working kind of in like a back office closet uh, from Central Central Texas uh, research facilities, and it has grown until 2020 to see it go from, you know, after hours Saturday mornings type uh, clinic that's been volunteer run completely to an organization and a full clinic that has its own, you know, for lack of better terms, brick and mortar, um, (laughs) daylight hours (laughs) and having having three standalone locations um, is is amazing. Um, See it kind of go from, you know, Austin clinics for central and North Austin, each having, you know, two to three patient rooms to this beautiful, gorgeous eight-room clinic that's huge in San Antonio (laughs) and mark a presence there and see patients that um, are like wow, you know, I just heard about the Kind Clinic in San Antonio. Um, you know, they they have no coattails to run over for the reputation that we built in Austin. Right. And it's been amazing to see that progress there, um, and you know, during the pandemic, for sure, and so many <laughs> different myriads of reasons. Um, and so we're hoping to you know grow that clinic down uh, in San Antonio.
3: Are y'all seeing? Are y'all seeing patients um, uh, telemedicine? I assume, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, At the Kind Clinic or San Antonio? Can you clarify your question? I just wanted to know if you're seeing patients via telemedicine because of the COVID.
4: Oh, of course, of course. And so the Kind Clinic entity itself, you know, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, in terms of us knowing about it uh, in this country, Um, in March, uh, we had a telemedicine platform called Telekind already in place for over a year beforehand. Um, But that platform um, originally was for seeing patients that didn't live in Austin at that time frame to access some of our services. So we were seeing patients maybe 10 patients a week, and we flipped the light switch, converted it over a matter of like one to two days is okay. what it felt like, wow. and seeing hundreds of patients each day on our wow. platform, and so it, you know, rightfully overwhelmed the system, and we've been doing a lot of, you know, R&D and making sure that we've been making a good uh, patient experience for, for uh, our patients uh, so far, and I think we've been doing very well. That's, um,
3: that's yeah. awesome. The, um, yeah, the, really. I, I was reading online earlier today, uh, there was a patient who was, there was a trans woman who was looking for a way to get a letter, but she wanted to do it only via telemedicine. Is that something that y'all do? A letter for name and gender marker change? We
4: do do that. Um, so we do uh, generally two types of letters for our transgender patients. Um, one for legal name and marker changes, and one for a surgical clearance for a gender-affirming surgery. Um, and so we do those services as well. Gotcha. you.
0: And those are what, what other mental health services are there? Are there, do you have people there for, for example, when you do uh, go into the transition, if you're, if you're a trans person, you have to go through psychological, I think two years or something of, of therapy. Is that right? Or am I wrong about that? And if so, do you do that there?
4: Sure thing. So um, that's uh, generally the, the old kind of standard or practice of going through therapy, following those kind of um, you know barriers to care for transitioning. Um, the Kind of Clinic operates as an informed consent clinic. And in that presence, we um, review all the effects and side effects of HRT, what things can kind of you know go down, being on these medications um, from that standpoint and have patients fully understand the risks and benefits of being on HRT. Once they sign on it, instead of waiting, you know, uh, a year or so, they can get on in in a matter of days to a week or so once they get their lab results and that you
0: know form assigned.
3: That as, is as, just incredible. It's awesome. As yeah, you were you were you were talking about obstacles to care, you know that the informed consent model removes a lot of obstacles to care. Um, you also talked a lot about prep. Y'all don't require prep to um to to start HRT, do you? We do not. That's good. That's good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, the gender care program is really, and, and Dr. Nguyen uh, said it perfectly, the gender care program is really a, a big one. And um, reaching demographics that have not had a lot of assistance previously, and Jessica, you're in San Marcos, so having telekind and bridging the gap of geography and a lot of the hangups um, with getting trans services, those gaps have been bridged, and you can see it in the patients that are coming in. And Dr. Huen and um, Andreas, they can attest to that. You're seeing you're seeing a shift in the population that's able to come in for care due to access.
3: Because of the telemedicine, you mean? So, yep. so yeah. theoretically, I should you know I have a list of of places to get HRT in San in San Marcos, and it's a relatively limited list. Um, I can add you all via telemedicine. That's freaking awesome.
0: That yeah. really is great. You guys, it's it, we're so lucky to have to have the community that we do. And I wonder um, how all of this was. How how were you able to pull all of this together? I guess was it just yeah. serendipity? I mean, I know there's hard hard work that goes into it, um, but did just somebody have a dream and say, "This is what I want want to do," and make it happen, or was it? the actual tell the texas health action group or how, how did that happen i mean did somebody just have an idea
2: so well,
1: Andres, yeah, uh, yeah andrea said it best so take it from there <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah so basically um as i mentioned we started with a uh, prep and then right. exposure but um in that capacity of reaching out to these communities we found that there were needs for other types of services okay so, and in particularly when it comes to gender affirming care, because there really aren't any options um, um, that provide more comprehensive holistic care uh, right. for folks. I mean, there's certainly options to get HRT. And so um, we actually had um, the previous uh, executive director of the organization worked with some staff that um, were part of the community, uh, part of the trans community to kind of sit down and figure out what would this look like. And um, so they got a lot of feedback from trans individuals in Austin and surrounding regions. And so in addition to HRT, they looked at some of the other components of what holistic care would be like. And so um, the board uh, basically said, yeah, definitely this is something we wanna do. And so it it was put into play and it grew. Um, And uh, I worked in Austin for about two years as an advocate. What was really, great about uh, the community of that specific population is that we had folks coming in from all parts of Texas and even from surrounding states.
0: Oh wow.
2: Because they there aren't many options again to to get the comprehensive kind of care so.
0: Especially around Texas. (laughs) Yeah it's It's
3: I I struggled and struggled and struggled to get decent hormone replacement therapy care. It it's almost impossible. So it's it's just amazing that you all are here. What what kind of training did you all go through in order to be able to provide um, hormone replacement therapy care? And what kind of protocols do you follow? Those kinds of things. Doctor Yeah, no. I think that's you. Uh, yeah, Sorry, okay. Doctor Win. Yes, I'm I'm pretty sure
4: protocols <laughs> means like Michelle. you. No. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Um, so uh, in terms of, you know, kind of providing for uh, HRT type uh, care, uh, from that standpoint, you know, a lot of it depends on the type of training that we've done during residency and uh, our scope of practice uh, during our specialties. So my specialty uh, technically is under family medicine. I do uh, HIV medicine as well and addiction medicine. Uh, but in terms of for uh, gender affirming care, um, I did a lot of that during the residency through our training at that standpoint. So under Dr. Grinson and Dr. Wright's medical director guidance, uh, we learned it from that standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. These days, it's been nice uh, that there are uh, lots of different, uh, a lot of different evidence based. Uh, research on transgender um, hormonal replacement therapy, and so um, we've uh, aligned ourselves with uh, a top-notch organization, university. I um, uh UCSF um, from Stanford University of California, San Francisco's uh, guidelines, because uh, there's different types between the American Endocrine Society uh, and theirs, and we decided to to adopt their guidelines.
3: So, oh, cool. uh, so do you do you all uh, vary from their guidelines because? Um, I have found their guidelines pretty restrictive.
4: Sure thing, sure thing. And so, you know, um, for all of the clinicians at the KIND Clinic, um, you know, we do continuing medical education uh, through different conferences. We're very active at the KIND Clinic. Um, yeah, and so we go see through that. conferences yeah. every single year, getting up-to-date information um, from, you know, experts in the field. And so um, it's just not those guidelines as well. That's why we kind of take it into our own patient population, along with those guidelines. Like I said, they're just guidelines. Uh, When we see outside of them, uh, we are sure that we have good reasoning from that standpoint and good medical judgment.
1: Yeah, the interesting uh, other element alongside that is that you're developing the empirical data as the kind clinic is expanding. So as you're getting the increase of population, getting access to the clinic, that information is, is, is progressing. And so you're having a progress of knowledge of um, certain behavioral shifts. And as Andrea said, you know the holistic care and the full body care and mental health services. So by virtue of being around for five years and incorporating the gender care systems, the data is also letting you know how to, how to redirect and how to pivot some of the systems that were in place.
3: That's awesome. And so does that, does that mean that you're tracking metrics associated with individual trans patients to see how they're performing on various protocols? That's great. That's amazing. That's pretty awesome.
0: Um, so it's not to totally take it in a d- different direction, but I, I would like to know, <laughs> uh, Michelle, this question is actually for you. In in the regards to uh, THA and beyond KIND Clinic, What are you guys working on? Yeah. Are you you mostly cons, I mean, I know you're expanding, right? Um, Are there any huge things on the horizon that you're looking at
1: besides the huge things you already have going on? (laughs) There are lots of things that have been developing. Um, And as Andreas and Dr. Wen pointed out, you know, during the the period of COVID, um, there's been a shift of how to direct some of the attention. So obviously, the telekind. Having people have contact-free systems where they can still get their care, so there's not a break in service, not a break in care. Um, during you know the uprising of our Black Lives Matter movement, uh, we've we've redirected a lot of focus on getting various uh, parts of our community into care more easily. Um, and as a program, the Kind Clinic has always offered um, assistance in getting in. So. Free care, bus passes, things like that, but trying to move with the changes of being in a quarantine situation where we have really interesting. um, uh, So, some of our development items, um, we have interesting ways of reaching populations now that are just completely technology uh, electronic based. So, some of our outreach programs are having to shift towards how do we get to some of those population communities that can't get you know let's say San Marcos where you have a college town and you need STI testing we're redirecting a lot of the efforts into uh, different levels of mobility so whether that is telekine clinic whether that's transportation, instead right. of opening 10 new clinics, we're shifting the focus to how do we get to these patients or potential patients that otherwise are not getting any sort of services. Uh, and for, for me as a woman, you know, Andreas addressed that this started out primarily as a focus on um, HIV services, PrEP, uh, gay male care. Yes also a shift towards, well, we added gender care. Um, I've gone into the Kind Clinic. I do most of my services at the VA. And uh, so I've gone into the Kind Clinic to see, you know, to compare apples to oranges and to see how women are getting care and how women can get access to these things, how women of color can get access to these things. So those are the focus points. And that, honestly, the, the board, were so energized by by having the opportunity to shift directions. Um, uh, Andreas uh, mentioned that Dr. Brinson was one of the founders and she's our primary. She's an HIV physician, she works in the jails, uh, the Travis County jails. She's actually running, um, you know, COVID um, trials and so you have people that are boots on the ground that are so on the forefront of medical technology and we're able to sort of cover the many fronts all at once, which is so exciting, but you can only do that by having uh, representation of your various community members. And so, you know, as Dr. Wen addressed, we have so much more access than five years ago. And due to the focus on quarantine care, it's, it's even more advanced and it's on a really fast running trajectory right now. So it's, it's so exciting. Like, yeah. Keep, yeah. Um, yeah. So
3: I was on this call today with a, and I'm gonna get this. The U.S. Public Health Service, um, and they were talking about this this initiative they have at. I'm gonna re, I'm gonna put air quotes. Um, ending the HIV uh, epidemic by 2030. This is some. Okay. This is an initiative that they are working on, and they keep reaching. They're they're reaching out out to people to do it's education sort of and things person. like that. What's that?
1: the Fast Track Cities.
3: That's more information than I, s- I gathered sure. from the phone call. So I'm sure. sorry, it was one <laughs> phone call. You so. clearly know more about this than I do. T- can you talk about it at all?
1: Uh, Dr. Wen, I think you're involved more of that than I am. Uh, the Fast Track Cities is a huge initiative that has many uh, collaborative efforts around the community. So,
4: okay. For sure. For sure. Um, so uh, Fast Track Cities, um, I've been a little bit away from that project for a little bit, um, but the general premise from that program and uh, that movement is about, there were about 20 cities in the United States uh, that their goal was to end uh, the uh, HIV AIDS pandemic um, from that standpoint. I think the original goal was by 2020, um, but you know, obviously other things <laughs> have kind of come into play. And um, the goal is at that point was a, a threefold plan. Um, it was called the 90-90-90 Mm-hmm. And so, when you can do the following things where 90% of patients are able to access testing very well, uh, 90% of them can know their status um, without it becoming an, uh, an early phase um, of their HIV. Diagnosis, as opposed to advanced AIDS, um, and then there, ninety uh, percent of those patients are able to access uh, access to a HIV competent um, physician or clinician, um, and start uh, on medications uh, within um, a certain amount of time. I think it's uh, like seventy two hours or so. Um, so rapid start HIV medications, you can fully uh, get, get um, all those patients onto medications, and the 90% of those patients, if you can get them to viral load undetectable, uh, generally below 200 uh, copies, um, makes them untransmittable. So, um, un- wow. means untransmittable. You can't spread the virus. And so, um, HIV-positive patients in that realm are just living their lives,
3: living awesome. their lives. Awesome. That's amazing. Uh,
0: and not- so, yeah. I I I don't quite understand. It was a really, a a very big deal when I first learned about prep, but it was only like four years ago. (laughs) So why haven't people known about this? I mean, it's been around for a long time, right? Or am I wrong about that? It's been around longer than four years.
4: Yes, so so, um, so prep has been uh, around longer than four years. Um, but as, as you know, I start with kind of the actual, um, you know, cost. So HIV, right? Um, that is, uh, diagnosis, illness, virus uh, is pretty young compared to other types of um, infectious agents. And so okay. you, know, you start with that from the, the 1980s or so, and we were actually treating it pretty okay in the 1990s um, until a certain point. So in general, those, those uh, is not old uh, compared okay. to other types of um, diagnoses. Um, in terms of studies um, for taking two antiretrovirals, putting into one pill, ends up being Truvada um, and discoby these days, and getting it tested for high-risk HIV-negative uh, patients in testing them to see, hey, you know, how well does it work? Um, Obviously people want to know um, the, the studies up behind those things before they fully released it. And so that was kind of gathered over um, decades, over like nineties, the two thousands, and so around 2012, 2014 is when well it's fully um, for, for FDA on-label usage for HIV prevention. Um, in 2019, a um was released um, for FDA approval for HIV prevention. So currently in this country, we have two uh, medications at this time for wow. HIV prevention. Um, in terms of traction of, of gaining public knowledge, um, that is all advertising, marketing, um, and from that standpoint. And
3: podcasts. <laughs>
2: There, there is also there is also um, the social stigma res- related to sexual activity, people living with HIV, gay men. So um, even though uh, prep had existed for many years when uh, there was initial effort to get it out to people, there was this whole term called um, I think it was called a Truvada whore essentially, which is so it was a stigmatization of gay men who were actively trying to engage and trying to take care of themselves, essentially. Uh, there were cultural influences that were trying to prevent people uh, from taking care of themselves in, in acquiring HIV. So, um, so there's a lot of that that happened at, at play. And so there are a lot of people that tell me, you know, why am I just hearing about this? So uh, the, there were those influences as well. Thankfully, I think we're uh, moving in the direction of being a more sex positive community. Certainly that's something that we really try to do a lot in the clinic. Um, There is no shame. We we love everyone. We want everyone to express themselves however it is that they wish to, uh, sexually or uh, you know otherwise. And um, we just want to provide the information so that they can take care of themselves.
3: So I'm just starting Discoby. So I'm just like to announce to the world that apparently I am a uh, Discoby horror, and I'm pretty okay with it. You know, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. So,
0: <laughs> moving on from that. Now, that is a thing. great way.
3: <laughs> moving on from that. It's
0: a good
1: segue. Uh,
3: segueing, um Yeah. Uh, I don't really know how to come back from that. You go next, Susie.
0: <laughs> well, actually, it, it's, it's time to wrap up. And I think man oh, oh. was. It's like the perfect way to wrap. It's cable. We can say shit if we want to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you all so much for being here and being so open with us and, and answering what may seem like silly questions. Um, but we really want, we're, we're trying to get everybody to learn this stuff. So we ask silly, silly, which may I hope that doesn't come across too, too silly for you, yeah, but
1: I didn't know any of this stuff before we knew it.
3: <laughs> hey, right
0: but please come back. I, I would love to have y'all back and talk with us again. This is, of course, you know, we're just getting into our groove here and starting, and we're y'all in 2015, so we're definitely working our way towards being y'all in 2020, um, and, and I thank you. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, just- thank you for having us. We, um, uh, Andres and Dr. Huen can attest to this. There are some really exciting things that are coming in the next several months, so I think that's it would be really nice to see you guys again very
3: soon we'd yay! like that yay awesome.
0: oh that i will be, be talking to you soon <laughs> then
3: absolutely
0: thanks y'all i appreciate it and have a great week
3: bye everybody thank you okay. to see you all Hi, michelle <laughs> bye, everybody bye <laughs> bye everybody you've been listening to
0: queer invasion radio we're here we're queer and we need your support so find us on Patreon or follow us on social media at QI Radio USA, and listen to us wherever you hear podcasts. And don't forget to share our stuff and tell all of your friends.
2: Thanks, Thanks y'all. y'all.